My mom married into wealth, and I never felt like the privilege was mine. Deep down, I don't want to be seen because it's not mine. I inherited it in a way. So how did this show up for me? I turned down my first job promotion because I felt like I didn't deserve it. I got asked to move on to a new and better team within six months of my first job out of college, and I turned it down because I felt bad for the people that's been there longer. I turned down my dad's inheritance when he passed away. When I was seven years old, I asked to be moved from first class to coach on the plane. This is episode number 33 with mother hustler, speaker, transformational coach, and creator of infinite receiving, Maru Yabichela. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Maru Yabichela is a mother, speaker, and transformational coach who works with youth and adults in five different continents to facilitate habit, mindset, and behavioral transformation. In 2013, Maru left a 10-year corporate career to pursue her entrepreneurial dream of helping people worldwide. Since then, she's realized that dream and built multiple six-figure businesses. Maru is passionate about teaching success mindset on stages around the world and coaching people from all walks of life, from Olympic athletes to CEOs, celebrities, single moms, aspiring artists, and entrepreneurs. She's known for making difficult concepts simple and manageable in her entertaining and down-to-earth style. Maru now has a platform of over 15,000 followers and members of her programs, but she's most proud of the woman she's become through the process of starting and growing a business as a single mother. Maru has been featured in Telemundo, The Huffington Post, YFS Magazine, and Shift Magazine. She's held bachelor degrees from TCU and a master's degree from UT Arlington. She's about to embark on her next adventure, a week-long trip to Europe to speak to a group of entrepreneurs in January 2019. 
At heart, Maru is a fun-loving jokester who enjoys traveling, dancing, watching below deck, UFC, and you know that's my kind of woman when they love UFC, Super Soul Sundays, and other inspiring spiritual podcasts. If she could have fried plantains and frappuccinos every day of her life, she would. Mamas, please help me in welcoming the mother hustler mothering the world this week, Maru Yabicella. Welcome, everyone. This is Kareen Mills, your podcast host, and we are blessed today because we have the beautiful Maru Labicella. Yes, that's awesome. I'm so, so, so excited to be here. And uh, finally, there's so many awesome people you've had on that I've been following for a while. So it's truly an honor and a pleasure to spend some time with you and your audience. And I'm so excited to see what golden nuggets, what gems, you know, we will create today. um, Well, you're here because you have a lot of them. (laughs) And I had the I've been told, I hope so. I hope I don't disappoint today. You never know. <laughs> had the really awesome pleasure to hear you talk. And I'm telling you, I was taking copious notes because, you know, when you know there's something great and you speak life into people and you just, it's just who you are, Maru. Thank you. So, yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I, you're welcome. I'm excited. It's Monday over here for me. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but it's a brand new week. So I hope that when you listen to this, you feel a boost of energy, stamina, hope, faith, and excitement, you know, for everything, for the challenges, for the dreams, for the visions. Um, Yeah, it's truly an honor and a pleasure every time I get to share uh, parts of my story. I really am setting the intention that it enlightens some of you, that it gives you some ideas or tips that can enhance and expand uh, your possibilities and make your life better for sure. Yeah. And it's even like just as simple as um, I'm not alone, you know, like Mm -hmm. being able to say, gosh, I felt so isolated going through this challenge, but listening to her and look at her now, the feeling of being able to say, ah, I'm not alone in this world. There's other women and other people and other moms that are going through what I'm currently going through mm-hmm. is so super powerful. So yes. um, we'd like to hear how your childhood really was, because I believe that our childhood is like some of the key component of who we have become today. And it either, they say it either inspires you or it troubles you, right? Mm-hmm when you're growing up and I know you grew up in a, in a different country. I did. Yeah. I've never been asked this question, so I'm excited and I hope I'm able to say the things that will connect the dots. You know, we will connect the dots later. So I was born and raised in Venezuela. Um, that's South America. I, uh, grew up speaking Spanish and then later on I spoke Italian up until age 15. So English is my third language. And I I have to say that in hindsight, I think I had a really good childhood. But obviously, you know, as an adult, some things came up that forced me to go look back and, and, and understand why is it that I wasn't going for bigger opportunities or I was um, shy or I, 
I wasn't succeeding at the pace that I thought I could or I should. And looking back at my childhood, I realized that very early on, there's something that happened that silenced me, mm-hmm. that um, they weren't ill-intended, right? But the, the, one of the memories that I have that I know shaped my future was um, I was six years old. I was in my dad's business and um, it was a day of inventory at the company. It was a ceramic tile and some construction stuff um, company. And uh, it was inventory day and I saw some guys sitting down and just chit-chatting. And I remember as a six-year-old walking up to them and telling them like, hey guys, how come you're not working? Everybody else is busting their butts up and you're not working. And they looked at me like, oh, you're so cute. Ha, ha, ha. They sort of, they didn't take me seriously. And I heard about this for years to come where people were like, she's so cute. She told us what to do. And I interpreted that at the young age of six, I interpreted that as I'm not taken seriously, right? So here I am trying to be a leader. And somehow there's a part of me that felt like, well, it doesn't matter what I say, it's not gonna be taken seriously, right? Um, I, you know, I, I had a, I'm pretty sure that memory shaped my future, no doubt about it, because I've had to work towards being able to uh, find my voice again and, and stand up and say what I, what I want to say and be a leader and not feel like I have to uh, apologize for it, right? Or not fear that I'm not going to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. But some, some things that also shaped my, my life is that I grew up well off. Um, so in Venezuela, my, I grew up with a stepdad, but he was my dad. I have his last name. I knew him since age two. And my mom married into wealth and uh, I never felt like the privilege was mine. So I, I worked really hard most of my life to let go of the things that brought spotlight to me. So here I am trying to be a speaker and trying to gain visibility and opportunities. And deep down, I am like, oh, I don't want to be seen because it's not mine. You know, it's, it's, wow. I was, I inherited it in a way. Um, so how did this show up for me? It was terrible. I, I turned down my first job promotion because I felt like I didn't deserve it. Um, I got asked to move on to a new team, a better team uh, within six months of my first job after college. And I turned it down because I felt bad for the people that had been there for 10, 15 years. Um, I turned down my dad's inheritance when he passed away because I felt like I, I was like, I'm good. I have a job. You know, I've been in the States for a while. My life is going to be good. My brother's stay home. I'm like, they have it worse than I, when I was seven years old, I asked to be moved from first class to coach in an airplane. because I just felt yeah. horrible in the front of the plane. So there's so many things that now I understand better. Right. But I just, anything that would make me step would make me separate from other people. I would protect from, I would be like, no, that's not me. It's my dad or things like that. I had the last name. So they would assume things about me. And I'm like, but I, so anyway, it's this, this syndrome of I am like, I'm no different than you. I'm no better. I don't know how to explain it. I'm sure it'll come out later on in an interview, but that was a big deal. It was a big deal. Not accepting the opportunities, not accepting, not owning the fact that life has sincerely and truly given me um, opportunities. And I Mm -hmm. I just kind of like shied away from them. Uh, It turned me into a doormat, frankly, because I just felt like I didn't deserve so many good things that came my way. Um, so now, you know, on the other side of that, being willing to receive and owning my receiving, it's a big 180, right? So in, later on, I'll tell my story of the, the other side and, of it, but it's a big deal. Wow. I wonder if it has something to do with being, I don't know, because I have a problem receiving compliments myself. Um, it's not really like a huge problem, but there's 
there's an emotion inside of me that like I feel dirty when I get complimented. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And like you, you know, I feel like, um, why do I deserve this? Like, what have I done? You know, and a lot of people will appreciate what I do, but I feel like that's what everybody should do kind of thing. Like, that's just what humans do is to help each other. So I don't need a thank you or something like that. Like, I have a problem, like you said, receiving compliments, receiving a thank you. And I give it right back to people. Like, if somebody says, oh, you're so beautiful. And I, I, I always say, it takes one to know one. Or like, I have to say something back so it doesn't stay with me. Because Got it. Got it's dirty when it's staying with me. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're fully aware of it. And I will tell you that it's something that we need to work on. So perhaps we can even go there, you know, during the time that we talk or another time, because I think it's important to, to understand where your deflection is coming from, right? Mm -hmm. Like where for me, where life presented me with opportunities and, and love and even money, I felt like I didn't deserve it. So I would spend it or I would just you think that it didn't belong to me um and I just I it's almost like I had and I still have some of it is like this vows to stay mm. poor you know or to stay humble that's the word that resonates with me the most and also that resonates with most women that I speak to mm -hmm. it's like this, it's like this commitment to be really humble to stay relatable and what I realized you know throughout my life is that yes of course like I I I I'm not a conceited person. I don't think people will think of me as a conceited person at all, but there's also time and place for you to, um, you know, own your, yes, your space in the world, you know, and say like, you know what, I'm actually really good at this and I enjoy doing this and I want to do more of it. And I want to put it out there in the world and I want to give extraordinary value to people. And, and it's because I know that I, you know, I, I own this gift and that's really hard to do when you feel like you, um, don't, um, deserve the attention or when you don't deserve the love that somehow, uh, in order to get it, you have to give something or you have to do something like, for example, um, when a baby, you know, I'll just think of an example of a baby, like babies are beautiful. They're inherently beautiful. They don't have to do anything for us to give them love. Right. And I think culturally, especially, you know, I don't know, I don't know specifics of your culture, but I'm already picking up, including for me, right, that it's like it's tit for tat. It's like you have to do something in order to get a thank you. Mm -hmm. And even when you do it, you're like, but that's what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. We just provide. <laughs> we're nourishers. We're nurturers. We're supporters. Like you don't owe me anything. And in that process, we end up not giving ourselves the credit we deserve. Mm. And we end up not allowing other people to give us the 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 credit or the attention or the gratitude or even the time, right. That we deserve. And, and it's, it runs deep. It, runs it does. It deep, does. Deep, 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 deep. And you know, for me, something else that's just coming to mind that duh, it's like the greatest Achilles heel that I've had most of my life is my abandonment mm -hmm. issues. My biological father left when I was one years old, um, one year old. And um, he went on to be super happy and I love him and we have a great relationship now. And deep down, I interpreted this as I am not lovable. I'm not wanted. I'm not this and that. And we still talk about that to this day. You know, we, we have a very open and honest relationship about it now since I became an adult. 
Um, but that's caused all kinds of issues, man, <laughs> clinging onto the wrong relationships to prevent me feeling abandoned, to prevent me wow. feeling, you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. it's, it's, um, but you know, I, I do believe everything happens for a reason. Everything has a purpose and it's all those things, even the facing of them all has made me who I am today. And I'm really proud of myself. Not perfect. God, I'm not perfect. You don't want to see the shadows of my full closet and, you know, over here. But I, it, it doesn't define me. You know, I'm a human. I keep trying to work at things at life, at becoming a better mom, better human, better person, and uh, enjoy every bit of it. Yeah. Do you... <laughs> Have you heard of, or are you, were you raised Catholic? Yes. Yes, for sure. Okay. So, so I'm trying to connect this one because I came from the Philippines and it's a Catholic country, very heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure you guys have telenovelas over in your country. Yeah. Just like ours. And the way that the telenovelas are always told, the stories always, the oppressed are blessed. And the, they always come back, like, say, from rags to riches and then, and, you know, like, things like that. And a lot of people in my country watch, and even growing up, I watched telenovelas all the time. And it was, yeah. always, it was always, like, the ones that are being enslaved always becomes blessed later on. Mm. And I think, and I talk about this in one of my guests on episode 10. I grew up with her, and, and you know, we don't have that mindset anymore as as um, an adult, but I think it was always engraved in our, in our culture because of its Catholic background that that's what happens. If you are oppressed, you're going to be blessed. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I'm 100% sure that that's part of this whole conversation. I don't remember that being a storyline in the telenovelas or anything, but, but yeah, the rocks to riches for sure. Um, but I never heard the, the oppressed will be blessed. But yeah, that definitely resonates. You know, it's like this martyr, martyr mentality yes. of like, if I take it, then I'll be blessed for it or something like that. Yeah, yeah don't do that. Don't do that. No, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> not. It's not, resonate. Good, it's not a good mentality. So you came to America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and two. Why did you come to America? So after I graduated high school, my mom was dating a guy from Texas, from Fort Worth. That's where I live um, still. And I didn't speak English very well. So I just came here for a period of time to learn English. And I ended up staying because they got married and it all worked out. I was able to become, uh, to get the green card and then become a citizen. And I've just never looked back. And I'm so grateful, even though it was really hard at the beginning to start over. um, I'm really grateful because I have an amazing life. And... um, I'm proud of yeah. my Well, you came here without speaking a lick of English and, and your English is phenomenal. What, eight years later? No, it's been 18 now. 18. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's 2000, right? Um, yeah, I have, I definitely have a gift for audio things. Like I, when I visit other countries and I stay a week, I come back speaking like 10 words and I say them really well. I try to learn like 10 words and I say them really well and people think that I'm a native and I just have, I don't know. I just, I have a good ear for things. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm more of an audiobook person for sure. Um, wow. But I, uh, yeah, I, I it, it was, um, something was said to me when I was 13 by a guy who had a crush on um, this guy. He was Polish. This was back in Venezuela. And he remembers, I remember him saying to me that, 
accents are for lazy people. And it's not true at all, but I was so impressionable, right? That at the time I was like, oh, if that's true, if I ever speak English, I cannot have an accent. So that negative, limiting, horrible, fake belief that he told me about himself, I adopted and it worked in my favor, right? Because I, I was already doing some like radio stuff back home. I loved microphones and this was all in Spanish. And when I came here, I was like, my dreams are over. I'll never be a show host. I'll never be this. I'll never be that. And then, uh, you know, I didn't know the language. I had an accent. And so, but over time, I, uh, I don't know, like it just became natural, you know. So you came in 2000. Better. Yes. I and I, I actually came May of 2000. Which month did you come? Oh, I started, I came like December 1999 and I started school in January. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, now that you are a speaker sought mm -hmm. after, do you feel like you are, um, what dreams you had as a child, you've continued on? when you came to America and how easy or difficult was that transition for you? And how did you, because hmm. you, you didn't probably become a speaker right away when you came. No. How did no. you stumble upon all these new version of you, the version of you that is, that, that I'm talking to now? Oh my gosh, you have six hours. <laughs> In a nutshell. I mean, I, I honestly, I feel like I, it was a completely clean slate that I, when I left Venezuela, I was um, I had probably been doing a lot of emceeing gigs. Um, mm. I had I discovered microphones at age 15, and it was the beginning of the end of my own self-oppression of like, you know, I'm not taken seriously, uh, nobody will listen to me. And right around 15, I was never a popular kid or anything, I was smart, but something happened. I can't remember how I came in touch with a microphone. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was right before my 15th birthday, my quinceanera. And right then I started this love affair with microphones. So for, until I graduated high school, I was gigging. Like I would emcee every event of my school. Um, wow. I did some TV interviews for my school and for this and that. And so when I moved to the States, I was like, that's over. Nobody will want to listen to me. I can't even speak the language properly, blah, blah, blah. So it took me probably... Um, a tiny little life push that I got was my senior year in college. Mm -hmm. I did a presentation and I wouldn't even raise my hand my four years of college because I, I was winging it. Like, especially my freshman wow. sophomore year, I was like, I took like three months of ESL classes enough to kind of get into school. I failed my TOEFL, which is the test of English wow. foreign language. I got a 540 something and I needed a 550. So I was able to start my freshman year at the university under probation that I would retake the exam and pass it. And I yeah. did that. I got like a 557. I needed a 550. Um, but I remember winging it. So my senior year in college, I had no idea how I made it through college, right? Because I understood probably 50% of what the teacher said. And then probably with 60, then probably 70. And I didn't know what a scantron was or what a mechanical pencil was. Wow. Um, so in my senior year in, in college, a teacher, a very tough teacher I had, I was doing a presentation and when I was done, she says, wow, you're a great speaker. And I was like, did she really just say that about me? <laughs> and I was like, it was one of those, like, it, you know what I mean? It was like a little spark, like a little light spark, like a match or something. And I was like, oh, whatever. I, 
And then um, it wasn't until 2006, I would say, it was my first year in my, my job, my first job out of college, that I was sent to a motivational conference. And there was Zig Ziglar, the late Zig Ziglar, who was still alive, uh, Brian Tracy. Um, I can't even remember right now, but there were so many people that I started, that I learned about that day. And I remember it was this giant, giant venue, you know, it was an arena and it was packed with people and every speaker, they were all men, number one. And number two, they all had a book. And I remember feeling so energized and I was like, I'm going to do that one day. And that was the beginning of my, I can do that. Perhaps one day I can do that, but this is 2006. You know, it was called the Get Motivated Seminars for anyone that's been around for a while. Oh, yeah, I've been to that. Yeah, I think everybody did. (laughs) So that was my, that was my, like, my second spark that I was like, wow, there's people that actually have a living doing this. And then, um, so it it came in stages, but I worked for a a wonderful company for 10 years. And I worked my way up the rankings. I started in customer service and I ended up being a, a manager of train operations out at a facility, a train, train station here in Alliance, Texas, uh, supervising over 200 men working days, nights, derailments, hazmat, um, spills, tornadoes, derailments, you name it. Like I set out on a quest to see if I could keep 200 men engaged in a job and save, then I could do anything. And I did that and it was hard as hell, but I gave, I knew that one day this dream would come, but I also knew that it would take time. So I, I was working my side hustle business, you know, life coaching, speaking. I became a coach in 2011, um, found a course, took it, became certified. So, you know, it's in hindsight, I'm like, that feels like it was yesterday, but that was seven years ago, guys. So for anybody that wants to build their own quote unquote empire, whatever that means for you, it give time, time, you know, and I see myself doing a version of what I do now 50 years from now. So I, I know I'm no longer in a hurry to get it all done. You know, cause wow. before it was like, I need to do everything now. Come on, da, 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 I got to capitalize. And, and ever since meeting Oprah and Jack Canfield and a whole bunch of amazing people that I've had the privilege to be around, I'm like longevity, Maru, longevity. And in longevity, if you want to be around 50 years, you don't want to do everything tonight. And that's what I was doing. So it's been a journey for sure. Um, it's taught me that the strategies are good. It's good to have mentors that will, you know, tell you to follow certain steps, but don't ever follow any steps that don't feel like your own. Um, mm. you know, every time I've been like, even talking to you guys right now, I don't feel like I have to put on any masks, any fronts. I don't feel like I have to pretend anything. Uh, when I first started my journey, I felt like I had to in order to mean something or in order to stand out or in order to be perceived as an expert. And when I, when that stopped working, cause nothing was working, I was like, you know what, F this, I'm just going <laughs> to be myself. You know, I'm just going to tell people what not to do. I did all the things that I was told to do. Got into <laughs> near, I, I literally almost filed bankruptcy in February, 2015. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try consolidating on my debt first. So I ruined my credit. I've had no credit since. Um, and when I started telling people my story without, like without holding back, my business took off and I swear to God, I've never made less than five figures since then, uh, a month. Um, this year has been a different story because I've just like pulled back tremendously. So I don't even know if that holds true this year, but for four years, I just had this amazing track record of, um, revenue and momentum and consistency in my business. 
And, um, and it's when I took off all the masks, especially wow. in the face where everybody's like, I, you know, I did this and I did that and I did that. And I was like, well, I tried all that and it didn't work for me. Screw it. So yeah, yeah it's been a, I don't, I don't call it a trial and error journey. I call it a trial and trial because yeah. it's, there's no such thing as like mistakes or errors. Mm. You know, if, mm. if you believe there are mistakes or there are steps or efforts that you've given that have not gone anywhere, then you don't believe in physics because the laws of physics state that energy is never destroyed. Energy is only transferred. Mm -hmm. So no amount of energy, little, big, small, tiny, that you give to something just because you don't see the physical evidence or it going to someplace where you directed your attention, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it didn't go somewhere. So it's, I know that sounds kind of deep, but it's true. Um, yes. No mistakes. There's no, I, no, that's just transferring of energy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Shifting, shifting energy. I wholeheartedly believe in the power of energy and the power of the ripple of your energy. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, it, I have a great story about this ripples. Yeah. You want me to tell it? Yeah. Please. Okay, so I've, I've, I believe in this. I believe that, you know, even when like, you take steps and they don't work out, like that doesn't mean that they didn't work out. Not in the way that you want it, but they've gone somewhere. So I was, um, I was uh, kayaking in a lake uh, this summer. Mm. And I remember seeing like this, like big fast boats that would go by. But the ripple of the boat, like the wake, Right. What I now learned is the wake. I didn't know that. But the wake part of the, of the boat, it wouldn't reach my little boat, my little kayak, for like three or five minutes. And so the boat was gone three, five minutes out of the way. I couldn't even see him anymore. And the wake, the big waves that he left behind would only reach me a while after he went by. And it, it, it just, it was such a metaphor for life because there's people that, I know have taken my classes, have, you know, been exposed to like some of my messages about receiving and being real and all that. And perhaps things didn't like click right away, but I see them six months later and they're completely different people. And I know that I just know, like, I know, like I know, because I own my ripple that something that was said clicked for them, you know, when we were together in the same space, right? Not just me, I'm not taking credit for their evolution or anything, but I know that I helped, right? Because everything's connected. And now it, it, after seeing the boat effect and how it reaches the, the shore like a while after, not immediately, but after, it just sort of proved my point that energy's never destroyed. It's just transfer. And sometimes it takes a bit to catch up, but it's just, it goes on infinitely. And I wanted wow. to share that because it's, you know, I, I see this a lot with my clients and with people I talk to, they're like, it's not working, it's not working. So I teach them to trust, right? Mm -hmm. That I don't teach patience. I think when you ask for patience, you're made to wait. So I don't ever pray for patience or yeah. teach patience, but I teach trust because you've got to trust in nature, you know, and in physics and in energy, and it's going to go where it's needed and where it's required and pray for the evidence, right? That. Wow pray for physical manifestation, physical evidence that your ripples are reaching all the right places. Cause I had never connected the dots until this time. So it was pretty powerful. Wow. You said something that kind of gave me goosebumps when you said, um, you own your ripple. Mm -hmm. I do. <laughs> I, I love that. I've never heard that said 
by anyone ever before. And I have never been clear on it. Mm -hmm. Although I know that I make a difference and I make an impact personally, but I have never said it in that context where Mm -hmm. I own my ripple. I know like you're 120% sure. Of course. I think I I can say that confidently now with hundred percent conviction, because I think it's, you got to give time, time, you know, and, and I've been doing this for six years full time now. And it's, um, I've heard enough, I've seen enough to now have the logic, you know, in the, mm. in the past, I didn't have that track record of logic. It was like a guess, like, I hope, I guess, I think, <laughs> I think it makes a difference. I think people listen to me. And so I, I thought, but now after getting enough feedback or enough uh, echoes, because it's an echo. It's not like instant. A lot of people come to me after the fact, or a lot of people, when I ask like, you know, how have I helped? Then I get 200 comments. People say this, 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 this. You just, not you, I'm not saying you, but most of us just don't open ourselves up enough to actually receive that feedback because you're afraid you may not get it. So you don't ask it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Or you don't, you don't like, you just not like, you know what I mean? It's like, we don't even want to ask you because you don't want to be greedy or you don't want to be like, fishing for compliments it's not about fishing for compliments is if you're looking for evidence then you're gonna find it and there's no faster way than just to ask yes it's not an imposition it's not you know what I mean and I whether I've asked for it but also I just get it you know and sometimes I need a boost and I just ask people I'm like how have I helped you what do you appreciate about me and they just love that and there's no ego involved I just ask for what I need I love that because I think that also is such a huge reflection of, of how much work you've done on yourself. Oh, thank you. How much investment <laughs> you make in your own self development and, and personal growth, because it takes some deep work to be able to say, I own my ripple. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially when we talk, we were talking about earlier in your childhood, you feel like you're not, you don't deserve anything. You don't feel like you're being heard from that to who you are now saying, I own this ish, you know, that is huge. And I think that a lot of women listening to this episode can really learn a lot from your journey of how you've really stood and own your space in this world and not only that, teaching it to other women. Thank you. And it's, uh, let me just take a second to receive that because it, it feels like a compliment. And I want to model for everyone, you know, that if someone acknowledges you in the beautiful way that, that you just did for me, that you're being a mirror for something that I didn't even, nobody had ever said the words you just said to me. So I want to take a moment to say, thank you and I I really want to receive that you're welcome Um, so many times we hear something and like you said you deflect the compliment you know you hear something and you're like oh well you're nice I'm just having a good hair day you know or whatever Um, and I am very aware of how we do that and because of my core you know issue I try to take a moment to just like let it not just like go in and out one ear but like really accept it and allow it to go down my to my heart because most of us, I'll never forget, I was doing this event and this woman came up to me and she says, wow, you're killing it. 
And I said, thank you, because that's what I do. That's what I teach, right? Thank you. And then in my head, I heard me say, what else is she going to say? Is she going to tell me I suck? And I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder how many times I've done that, that somebody had said something really nice to me. And I'm like, oh, thank you. But I deflected it in the back end. So I don't want to do that to you out of, you know, I want to disrespect your your wisdom. And so I just want to say thank you because you're absolutely right. And that's why I feel like it's comfortable for me to own my ripple because I know that it's not been easy. Mm-hmm. I may have made it look easy, but I know that the courage I've had to face my fears, the courage I've had to go for the big asks, you know, to be asked to be put on stage or to, to keep spending blindly sometimes, um, taking huge financial emotional risks, you know, to be disappointed. Um, they've all paid off and I promise you it's not been in financial ways. I mean, the financial part has been nice to kind of prove to myself mm-hmm. that I can do it. But to me, the, the growth as a human, you know, and the, my, my unconditional powerfulness is priceless. Wow. No coach, no course, no nothing. Like I, I, I'm a result of the, all the coaching and all the mentoring and all the difficult situations that I've had to grow through, right? But that unconditional powerfulness is, is priceless to me. And that's what, I, that's what I'm here to give. And it's, it's a journey. And I can, you know, I'm in a two-year relationship and that's my, in some ways, that's my Achilles heel, that and co-parenting sometimes, wow. you know? But, um, and numbers, you know, and I still work at them, but I don't judge myself for still being in major debt and still not having recovered my credit. It was still feeling like sometimes I put my, my love on a pedestal because I admire him so much. Sometimes I have to remind myself, no, he's your equal. Mm-hmm. We're equal partners, you know, that's a whole new territory for me, you know? Wow. So, so it's like, it's, I can be really confident and very powerful in so many things. And, and in some areas I have to remind myself, you know, is my power conditional? No, I, I live to see women be powerful, not from a force standpoint or from a money standpoint, but from an all standpoint. And I do think that the experience of wow. being very powerful is beyond looks. I mean, I weighed at 200 pounds in May and I'm still 200 pounds. I'm very consistent at that. I've never weighed that much, even when I was super pregnant. And that was, a, that was a spiritual experience for me in itself because I was like, I let myself get to this point. How? How am I getting to the point where taking Advil is constant, you know, or taking like Pepto-Bismol is normal? Like what happened to me? I used to be a health nut and I'm still decoding that. You know what I mean? And um, I'm decoding it. I'm, I'm like learning. And, but for me, step one is like, can I still show up as a leader? Can I still inspired can I still be myself can I still feel everything I feel about myself even if I'm not you know a size eight anymore I'm more like I have things that feel that are one x does that define me you know what I mean does that make does that make me less of a leader because I've I've struggled with my health discipline some would argue yes some would argue no for me I was like if I can only show up be a leader and be inspiring when I'm a size and a weight then that's not real. Yeah. And no, so I'm I my agree. own laboratory. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I love how you just went from not having confidence being heard as a child to owning your ripple in the space and that you make a difference 
a huge difference in people's lives to owning your own, um, like blaming yourself, you know, not blaming other people and owning your own. I like, I got myself here and I'm still decoding it. And it's, it's so beautiful to kind of watch the way that you handle things because I think a lot of us, um, women, it's easy to blame and point the finger to people or maybe to a food that we're addicted to or, or, or a circumstance, whatever. you know what I mean? Yes. A circumstance like that for me, for sure. was like my pregnancy. I had a pretty stressful things that happened, not expected. And ever since then body wise, I've never been the same. And, uh, and I have to consciously, you know, realize that that like, <laughs> like that, I, there's no reason to feel like a victim of anything. Wow. because that's like putting your power in the past you are so super self-aware yeah that I, for sure is my superpower very self-aware and i love that about you Thank um you. what is that you can advise to women that really have a hard time receiving just like maybe a quick advice or an exercise or like you just did like, oh, I just want to take a pause and receive that. And I think the beautiful thing that you did was you took the pause so it can go into your heart because I think a lot of times we will allow it to go into our head sometimes. And it's really, it loses its power when you do that and not put it in the heart. Hmm. Yeah, when you don't believe it, you're going to discard it or, or you're going to think that um, the person has an agenda or oh, you, you know what I mean? Like you're going to go into your head and you're like, if I take this, what are they, what do I owe them? You know, am I going to owe them something or am I, you know, what's the agenda here? And, um, so I know some of us don't trust because we've had experiences with people that perhaps have taken advantage of us or whatever, but look, there's so much I can say about this that I know in the interest of time, I'm going to think of like quick tips to help women sort of, deserve receive right and the reason why i keep saying receiving is because i'm most known for teaching something called infinite receiving and it's a it's literally like an operating system of how to think and see the world perspective that will allow you to see to receive in every circumstance you know an adversity and it'll allow you to win more it'll allow you to keep like flowing through things even when it doesn't feel like you're not supposed to flow and this has been true and tested in like with women all over the world. I've spoken in the Middle East, in South America, everywhere. And wow. it works. It really works when you start seeing the world from an open to receiving standpoint. And so please keep in touch. <laughs> but I can give you, um, I, and also this whole like philosophy was given to me in a moment of total despair. Me not being this sort of like wise, more evolved woman, I was like, really hating my circumstances and really annoyed and really frustrated. I felt like I was in a straitjacket in my own life. Wow. And, uh, and in one of these moments, I literally had this point of enlightenment and I got this very important, relevant download that not only has helped me go from, at that point I was in total drought, again, near like calling it quits to massive success and, um, and now massive self-growth, you know. The success, the limelight was amazing, but this whole year of 2018 has been very humbling because, you know, I had to go back and, and keep my ego in check because that's the first thing that goes, you know, like 
it's like even as as humble and as nice as I am I can honestly tell you that even the money went in my head and I wish I had more saved of all that right but this year has been very humbling and um and it, I needed to to kind of slow down to prove to me that receiving is so much more than material things and opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this unconditional acceptance, this unconditional power, powerfulness, and so many other things. But some of the things that you can do today, right this second, as soon as you hang up with us or you stop watching, the first thing is don't save the best for last. Women that mm-hmm. struggle with deservability and with that, with receiving, right? We have a tendency to like we save gift cards, we don't cash checks right away, we have massages that we don't use, we have plenty of shoes and clothes with tags on that we've never used because we're one day, you know, we will have the perfect opportunity to look beautiful or to pamper ourselves. You've got to stop that. If you buy something, you wear it right away. Um, If you have a gift card, you use it right away. Why? Because you're accumulating this value. You've received something that is good as cash, right? And you're like stashing it away. And so the message you're sending to the universe unconsciously is like, oh, I'm going to procrastinate on me. I'm going to procrastinate on you. You're procrastinating you, basically. You're putting yourself in this opportunity to have some time for you or to look beautiful or something that is for you. You're putting it off. Um, so that's one thing. Don't save the best for last. We do that. Even when we eat, you, you save the best piece of food <laughs> for last. Right. Sometimes I order dessert first. Cause I'm like, I want the best. First. So <laughs> own this rocket, like go with it. You know, don't save that red lipstick or that underwear for a special occasion. Like today is the day because the wow. you're going to receive so much more when you apply these tips. Cause it's kind of like you're moving yourself up in priority and standards and everything. Um, the other thing is um, to eliminate the words, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me or no way. So when something happens to you, that's good. Most people will go to the humble, shrinky, I call it shrinking when you make yourself small, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe this is happening to me. Like you act shocked when good things happen, but you want more good things to happen. So the universe will prevent you, uh, will, will, keep you from having a heart attack you know every time something good happens so no yeah <laughs> so act normalize the good basically normal wow. when something good happens don't say no way or oh my god i can't they'll just say like yes way of course that needs to be wow. your of course things are working in my favor because do you think god or the universe wants to see you suffer no it wants to see you grow and the more you accept the good things the more you will get right Another very easy um, thing is like compliments is a big one, right? Mm. Uh, that's a really common one. It's a big one. Like I was, we've, we've already been talking about this, but if I say something like, Hey, listen, congratulations on your success. And you feel uncomfortable with that. There's an opportunity for you to like sit with that kind of like what I told mm-hmm. you, right. When you gave me that huge acknowledgement and compliment, if you, if you feel uncomfortable by me telling you something, why is there like a limit to you receiving that? Like what's, where's the, like, I, I often ask women, like, how deep did this go? And some women are like, it didn't, it, it didn't, it didn't enter me. Right. Like, or it's just like up here, like I can't swallow it because it just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> just sit with that and ask you like, 
why not? And most of the times you're going to think that people are fake or that people are like, not, they don't really mean it. But the truth is, if you think about it, do people really need to come and, and manipulate you or like lure you into something to look, if you're in, in Europe, perhaps like, you know, I don't know if you've been to like Turkey or countries where they're like, ma'am, you look so nice. So they come on in, let me sell you something. No, <laughs> that's not it. You know what I mean? Like people can just be themselves and you can just let them say whatever they want. And if it's something nice, I highly encourage you to accept it. Why? Why is the importance? Because you never know what you're blocking by blocking that compliment. You know, what if, what if like a leader or somebody, what if I told you, you know, what if I have a, like a straight line flown into like Oprah or something and I'm like, Kareem, like you, your efforts are paying off. I see you. I see your beauty. You're shiny. You're radiant. And you're like, okay, thank you. (laughs) You know? And in my head, like all I hear is like, this woman does not believe in herself. I'm not referring her to anybody. Wow. That's super powerful what you are giving us today because I was laughing when you talk about the gift cards because I literally have two Starbucks gift cards. Send them to me. I went to Quinchard this morning or racetrack. I could use some Starbucks. And when you said that, it's so true. We save the best for last and we try to hoard things for whatever whatever occasion we think that it deserves it right and yeah. i'm just over here while you were talking being really quiet because i'm just like so much jaw dropping aha moments because i know i do it like what yeah. you're what you're just saying is i do it and i was laughing because i had like literally thought of my gift card that i just received this week just the last seven days and I haven't spent it because but that's, that's I would not judge yourself for that because you just got it right but perhaps there's more stuff in the closet or your nightstand or in that kitchen door that we all stash things in right like um Amazing. it's just food for thought because yeah. there's so many people that don't cash their checks you know or don't return items and then when they go return them it's expired oh yes I know too. But anyway, I, I go through a series of, I actually have a document called the 27 common blocks to receiving. And it's everything from this to, um, um, Oh, wow. Don't ever cross your (laughs) fingers. Like when people say cross your fingers, don't ever cross your fingers. That's not good for receiving. You're creating, you're creating blocks in your energy. So always say, I open my arms to receive, um, you know, you're, Oh gosh, there's just so many little practical things. That's why infinite receiving is so powerful because it's not just like sit and meditate. No, it's like you need to change your way of being. And at first it's going to feel uncomfortable and then it's going to feel more. Like one of the things that I teach is to say, of course, and more please. And that's really uncomfortable for people at the beginning because they're like, that's kind of (laughs) greedy. If you get something good and you're like, yes, more please. They feel greedy, they feel uncomfortable. But in reality is, is there a limited amount of opportunities out there? Is, is there a limit? Like Kareem only, is it Kareem or Kareem? I apologize for Kareem with the N. Okay. Duh. Sorry. Okay. Kareem. So are there like, okay, Kareem only gets 27 opportunities. Maru gets 25. You know, she gets 47. She gets 100,000. It doesn't work like that. Mm. You know, oxygen is infinite right? Unless Mm -hmm. you're at the top of Everest or, you know, something, but oxygen is infinite. There's no like, okay, this person can only breathe this much. This person can only breathe this much. And yet the majority of Americans breathe at a 30% capacity. 
I know. I know. We, all, we all breathe really shallow, but there's mm -hmm. infinite oxygen and you have 70% more room to expand into in your breath. Yet we, we yep. underutilize our breathing capacity. We, we live in a chronic underutilization of our asking power, of our receiving power, of our brain power, of everything, right? And, and in so many ways, my message, the thing that most people book me for to speak and, and discuss is why we're not more open to receiving because my theory and what was given to me in this philosophy and this way of seeing the world and thinking is that you only get in life what you have the capacity to receive. So your job is not to work too, too, too hard to get the thing. Your job is to expand your capacity to receive it because it's already out there. Anything right. you want. It's more like, can I really handle this? Right? Wow. And most people are praying with their doors closed. They, they're praying like, I am the classic example of wanting Oprah-sized blessings, right? <laughs> but at the, at the very thought of getting, let's say, 12 clients at a time, I would, I would hyperventilate and have total anxiety because I'm like, how, I, how will I handle it? Would I be able to handle it? Can I handle it? Can I do this? But yet I'm praying for it. So I'm not ready to receive it. I'm not going to get it. Wow. So how do you, on the other end of the spectrum... Um, you talk about the challenges that you have and if there is something you don't want to receive, how do you block that energy? Do you acknowledge it? Do you do anything with it at all? Or do you just well, let it happen? You have to let it happen. And here's what I mean. Like when you said, like, how do you selectively choose what you get when you're selectively, when you're trying to like, not be available for the bad, let's say, or the adversity of the setback, mm -hmm. you're blocking everything. And, mm. you know, Paulo Coelho says, when you don't fear the unknown, the unknown will be kind to you. Wow. And there's no greater truth that I've ever lived by. Mm -hmm. When you don't fear, or when you fear the unknown less, the unknown will be kind to you. And the thing about it is there's no guarantees in life. We all live in an illusion of control. Yep. Right? And so, I was that person that when I first started playing around with receiving in 2013, everything went to crap. Everything, you know, everything went to like, it, it was amazing <laughs> how quickly, right? And I'll never forget that because I was like freaking Oprah. She turned me onto this like open to receiving thing. And now here I am left with, you know, all my security was taken away in three weeks. And, and you know, it's taken me it's taken <laughs> quite, like three or four years to get back to understand that this receiving thing is, it's like you, it's almost like living in perpetual humility, right? Of like, hey, dear God, I am open to receiving your will. I pray to be used. You know, I pray to, to, I pray that I receive the highest and greatest good for all concerned, right? And I will accept that what comes my way can be what I'm envisioning and what I want. Mm. Um, and or, you know, better. Because to me, everything, even, even your goal of reaching like that, not your goal, like your reality, because it's in the, in the cards for you, right? To be yep. an influencer and to touch thousands and thousands and thousands, thousands of life with your podcast. That's amazing, but it's small compared to what's available out there. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so everything that you set for yourself is a preconceived notion of what you think it's possible. So it's a safe thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's the right thing to do. Right. Like you rather. Yeah. Plunk it down. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. The thing is, is who tells you that tonight you could win the lottery or perhaps like 
you know, you get like some winnings from the Philippines or, you know, yeah. somehow you get randomly, like just always be open, right? And sometimes it's funny because exactly. I taught a class this morning on plot twists. That's one of like my favorite subjects. Why? Because I used to hate them. But then I realized that everything that I am today is a result of major plot twists. So at the time mm -hmm. they felt uncomfortable and they were difficult and some of them showed up as an adversity or a setback, but in those difficult moments, I developed all the muscles that I'm now a champ at. And so it's sort of like this, this balance between like being willing to lean into the discomfort and to not, not be like, no, this sucks, you know, this is terrible. It is terrible <laughs> and it sucks. And if it's there, it's there and there's something in it for you, right? Um, so many times I feel like every adversity is for you to learn detachment and impermanence, yeah. you know, that's, that's something that I've learned this year, the impermanence, wow. because I mean, I made over a million dollars in two years, like since infinite receiving came to me. So this, this receiving thing is real. It's so real in my life. And this year it's not been nearly quite as fast and as popping as the previous years were. Right. And I think it was by design. I know it was by design because I've had to go deeper and sort of like accept myself even when I wasn't in that spotlight and, and realize that this year has been about like welcoming love. Like I now live with my love and man, like living with a new person, it's like, you know, first person I've lived, second person I've lived with my life. And since I became a single mom, so, you know, adapting our lives that we can do three podcasts on that. Oh, I can talk to you all day. <laughs> I thought it was, I'm like, I'm an infinite receiver. I have my mindset unlocked. I got this. Oh my word. It was like what I, what I just said. I feel like every adversity, every curveball, every, you know, everything that comes your way is not to punish you, but to polish you. And to, for me, I've taught, a, I've learned a lot about my own like self-love and detachment and worth. Like am I only happy when we're happy or can I still be powerful even if we're not getting along? Ouch. Like that's a whole new level. You know what wow. I mean? I, can I just say that I really love what you said about me having the goal of top 100 podcasts and how you literally said that's small compared to what's possible because I've never looked at it that way. Okay. And it's super powerful. Good. Because I've always believed I there's so much more to do and the universe is unlimited, right? Mm -hmm. I believe that everything is unlimited, but um but I'm so glad you said that because it's it's literally giving me this aha moment that I already know. Like sometimes we we already know some things. Yeah. But, but we we just don't um I think we just don't realize that it's true unless someone else says it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and when you said that, I'm like, she's so right. Like I set that goal because it's possible. Mm -hmm. Like what's impossible? Like what, what else is beyond that? And now you're going to make me think. <laughs> you, you should be thinking that way because number one, it's free. Number two is the crazier it is, the less attachment you have to it. I, in infinite receiving, I call it like um, outrageous. Like you need to have an outrageous ass, um, one that makes no sense. And this came to me because one day I was like, "What if I had an email from Vision Lakiani? Vision is the CEO of Mind Valley. I don't know if you've heard of Mind Valley. Mm -mm. 
anyway, it's this like Malaysian company and they're an education company and they publish authors, right? And I've, I've been close to them in the past. And I was like, wouldn't it be crazy to have an email from Vision in my inbox? I don't know where that idea came from, if I intuited it or whatever, but I kid you not, I had a personal email from him when I got out of the plane. Mm. And it felt like such an outrageous ask that I was like, why am I not asking for that constantly, right? And then um, I started teaching it in Infinite Receiving. I was like, every day, write, write your 10 outrageous asks. Like, your outrageous, like, it has to make no sense. The, the more irrational, the better. I'm transported to space. Wow. You know, Oprah called. And then you're going to figure out how little-minded we are. We all are. I'm the same way. I need to get back into that because this year <laughs> like a collective shrinking for me as well. Um, but you know what would happen is that women would report every day, every week, like, I asked for a laptop and I got one out of the blue. The less attachment you can have, the faster it comes to pass. And it's the craziest thing. It makes no sense. But have you ever Crazy. met women? Have you ever met women that get pregnant after they stop trying or they find love after they give up? Yes. Same principle. Wow. It's oh like, my gosh. Like, oh, <laughs> well, we could talk forever. I mean, I got, I, I swear got we can. Yeah, well, before, sure. before I, I just get so super excited because I can't wait to, to re-listen to this recording. Um, tell us about your child, your baby, because you're a mom and this is all about mother hustler. So, oh my gosh, um, uh, being a mom and, and your baby and how is, has that changed you as a person? Yeah, so it's changed me infinitely. I mean, I, my life before and after are like two different, you know, two different books altogether. You know, it feels like I was one person then and I was one person after. Um, it's been such a journey, you know, and, and I, my ego tells me that my journey has been so different from most women. And it's not true. When I open up, we've all gone through a version of this, but I don't feel like I'm the natural mom. Um, up until the day I got pregnant, like the day, the day before I found out I was pregnant, I had finished and sealed a plan to move to Australia. And I had this A to Z plan to rent a house. I was sharing with my ex and we had this amazing, I had just gotten my Australian visa. So I was ready to like take off and be this free spirit, you know, no home entrepreneur in 2013. And the wow. next day I found out I was expecting and it was like the biggest shock of my life and not one that I will forever be grateful for. But it took me a long time to process it and accept it. And um, anyway, it, I, um, I don't know how I got so lucky that I have the child that I have, to be honest with you, because he is, I mean, obviously as a mom, you know, I think he's the best kid in the world. He's five. And yep. I mean, he's, he listens, uh, he sometimes pushes up, you know, against, he pushes all my buttons and stuff. Um, but even in that, like, yeah, that's normal. But even in that, like standing in my power of finding a new level of power to, to be able to communicate with him in a way that will move him or will get him to do stuff, um, forgiving myself because so many times I've felt like an inadequate mom because I've been so focused on business and, you know, mm -hmm. and what I do, um, I just, I don't know. I've, I think he's taught me everything about really learning to like accept myself and staying in my own lane Wow! because it's easy to, to compare your journey. Like my journey to motherhood, I think it's different from a lot of other people. And I see um, other women, you know, being like super uh, devoted and 
you know, just being there every step of the way. And I feel like if it wasn't for my mom helping me, I don't know how I would have made it. I think I would be crazy today. And I don't think I would be where I am today. So one of the things that, that I, I'm very appreciative of and that I encourage every woman to pray for is a world-class support system, because I just don't know how, especially single moms or women that are married, but feel like single moms, most of them are, um, how they, they do it all on their own. Uh, so my kid definitely has taught me to receive and to ask and to not feel like I have to break my back, you know, to do everything and to look good in the process, in the process. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's been That's such a vulnerable journey. And I, I'm telling you like to this day, almost every day I give thanks for my world-class support system because that as a mom, I think as a woman, but as a mom, especially if you don't have a world-class support system, um, I didn't. That's why I started praying for one. Um, when my ex and I separated is because I felt so alone. And I felt like, I was like, this is not the life that I dreamt of. Like, even though my business was starting to take off, I was like, I feel so alone. Even wow. with him, I felt alone, you know? And then th not 24 hours later, we had broken up. <laughs> like literally, wow. I, it was the craziest. And if you can't give me that, it's, you know, very least there will be a, at least be a sign in the yard and you can hopefully get some money. Wow. Well, that was about, that was my first day in. I walked in with this list and I was so excited. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was scared to death, right? <laughs> hey, but the most important part too is before you keep going is people believed in you when you didn't even believe in yourself. And That's that exactly is exactly right so important when you're in the hustle because if you can't believe in yourself but then other people it it gives you fire it really does and and why did they believe in you it's because you you were seen doing it you were you weren't just having your hand out sitting on the couch help me and felt like the victim you right. let that victim mentality go and i really want to highlight that because a lot of people would have been just play victim right and go to welfare and do all kinds of and there's nothing wrong with welfare if you need it but you did not settle and you went for it and people saw your tenacity here we go again your tenacity and they were willing to help you so keep going that wasn't an option for me kareen it was this is what i'm doing i mean god said you passed this is what i was doing so you were absolutely right to have that uncle that called me back a week later and gave me money to land my license believed in me enough right and then to have this friend of mine who i was renovating his house believe in me enough to say at least to get you a sign in the yard well the exponential blessings that came from that and um was crazy it was literally like a movie so i listed that house um and i told him you're asking too much money it's going to be a low appraisal i don't care if somebody wants this house they will pay cash money for it they'll bring the difference to the table and i said okay didn't matter i just changed my thinking it's a sign in the yard literally i kid you not kareen the first week a, a buyer came to the house and called me from the house and the first thing you're told in real estate is get the person in the office first you don't know whether they're qualified do not meet them at the home oh no i was going to <laughs> I met her at the house and I still remember cats to this day. She was my very first home sale and she was a, let me tell you, I walked in that to show her my home that I had listed. And I said, Hey, do you have a buyer's agent? Blah, blah, blah. She said, oh. I said, okay. She said, no. she, said, she said, 
I don't want an agent. I've been working with an agent for the last nine months and they don't do shit. I don't need an agent. If I want to buy this house, I'm going to buy this house. Well, let me tell you by the end of our hour and a half talk in that house, she signed a buyer's agreement, which almost nobody gets signed and agreed to use me as her agent. And wow. I didn't sell her that house, but I found her a house within the next week and she bought it. A house on the train tracks of all places. And Dang. she loves it to this day. And she clo we closed on that house in 30 days. I met another buyer, did the same thing at the house a week later, sold him a house in that first 45 wow. days. And then sold this house. And I did come in low appraisal and he did bring cash to the table. So I sold four houses in the first 45 days. Holy and shit. And then, yeah. And then another buyer came from that and I listed her $500,000 house and she bought a from me so six houses in the first 60 days what you see people so, you yeah. can't give up on your freaking dreams <laughs> you have to just keep doing it because the energy that you put out i that's why i believe in energy so much because you i mean the the ripple that happened with you just like i'm gonna own this i'm gonna do this this is what i am made for uncle called back when you make that decision somehow it sends this frequency to the universe and then it comes back multiplying it i am telling well, you i know i'm a crazy I believe you, 100%. <laughs> no you're not we talk about it actually francis is my partner and teammate right now and we talk about put the, the energy you put out there right and how it comes back no matter how the struggle is right um because you know the market's weird right now but i want to go back to tell you that uncle that gave me the money said he wanted to give it to me again. That first check I got, I not only sent him his money back, didn't be a career with interest in 30 days. I sent that money back to him. I felt that was important. I felt like I needed to do that because I felt like it was the honorable thing. And he blessed my yes. life and literally propelled me into the career that I have today because what came from that literally was me getting to buy a house, me getting to help my daughter with college, me getting to put yep. through braces and give them all the gifts, you know, that just help them have better starts in life. Better give, things. Because give, you know what? Yeah, give credit where credit is due. And and don't mean right? to cut you off, but but people think, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to borrow you $100. I know it's not a lot, but, you know, I know it's going to help you. But you don't know how literally your energy goes from this to like, it goes wide. And, and I right. talked about in my speaker reel about how you ripple, you'll never know where it went. And, right. and the sweetest part is when it comes back to you and say, you know, that little help you help you, you told me about, right? Look at where I'm at now. Right. Or, you know, that little help that you gave me, like maybe a, a a freaking loaf of bread that you gave me like it's so little but you know what it gave me hope that people are still nice and people are still good and it changed my mind about you know all these judgmental thought that I have and right. it, gave, it opened up like the floodgate of all these good things but that's what your uncle did for you Right. Well, just having him believe in me. And, you know, there was many other people. It was like you said, there was so many people that just kind of, you know, my mom buying me groceries, you know, sustaining me, you know, with, um, you know, everything, just being present in my kids' lives, you know, and taking them to things so that I could work, you know, um, God love her. And then Patty, you know, the, the designated broker of the first yeah. that she literally, I said, I remember her saying to me, um, if you want this, because I asked her for the money first, and this I think is important. And she said, honey, I'm not going to give you the money. 
She goes, and I know that's going to be hard for you to hear. She goes, but if this is supposed to happen, you will find a way to make it happen. She goes, and that's, I'm going to see this later. You won't see it now. She goes, but this is a gift that I'm giving to you. And she goes, and I know where it's going to lead. And she was absolutely right. I had to push for it. I had to fight for it. And I had to find a way. I couldn't be handed to me because what came from that, the 36 homes, then the 40 something homes, then, you know, a banner year, you know, 50 something homes, you know, and and, and in a down market. Right. And going from that to, you know, from, from not knowing whether I was going to have a place for me and my kids to being able to do the things that I didn't have growing up or that I just wanted to bless them with for their hard work in the Excel program, you know, and not be able to say, I can't send you there because, you know, we can't afford it. You know, um, there's no way my daughter would have been able to go to Berkeley if I wasn't blessed by this career, you know, that's Um, amazing. Yeah. So it's just, I've just been blessed upon blessed upon blessed, you know, Wow, Dawn, you have done a great job just, just going for it. And I, and I, compliment you and I give you kudos for all the hard work that you've put in and all the fruits that you're able to take, you know, take advantage of transferring it to your children. What, um, what are, what are your children's name and what are your messages to them? Every single one of them. So my oldest, Brittany, I would say my message to her right now is to just go for it. You know, she's, she's in a place where, you know, you get out of college and then you kind of just don't know what's next, right? You've been in this whole mode of education. Um, I just want her to go for whatever she wants. And, you know, I want her to um, not be afraid. I, I lived a lot of my life, right? Fear of making that next step, fear of failure, right? I think when I step out of that every time something amazing comes from it, right? And I grow exponentially when I don't live out of that fear, right? And let it rule me. Um, Courtney, God love him. I just want him to find his way, right? And, I, and I've been blessed enough to allow him to have a couple years of high school to just find what his passion is, right? And I just, I think it's the same message. Just choose something and be the best at it, right? And, 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 and choose something that you love if you can, right? Because then out of that love and that passion comes, mm-hmm. comes growth and, and opportunity, right? And for my youngest, she's Dakota. She's just a little spitfire. A lot of her call, call her mini-me. And I think, um, <laughs> you know, she's a fighter. Let me tell you, she will just like fight tooth and nail if, if she believes in something, um, you know. But I also, for her, I want her to settle her spirit a little. You know what I mean? It's not, you don't got to fight all the time, right? And you don't, yes. you don't have to be so judgmental. Work, work hard for you and what you want, even if other people aren't working to your level, right? That's something even in, in real estate yeah. that I had to do, right? Yeah. I never joined a team because I didn't want, I knew my work that I gave 150% and could truly say that to somebody and not be lying. And I didn't want to have bad feelings about other teammates if they weren't working at my level. And I yeah. also knew I just needed to do this for me, right? Everybody was like, join a team, you'll get leads, you'll get this. No, I knew if I didn't do this for myself, I wasn't going to be successful at it. Yep. And that's what I want for her. I want her to just go, I'm doing this for me. It's not about all y'all, right? It's not about what your work level is. And I worked harder than you and I've done more than you. It's just about me. And what are you doing for you and your future, right? Yeah, that's awesome. You're blessed to have had some really good mentors and some people that really believed in you. And and that's just it. Like somebody believed in me and somebody helped me. So I'm paying it forward. You know, you can pay it forward through your children. You can pay it forward through your career. You can pay it forward through giving just plain flat. 
giving and helping people without any agenda. And I really love your journey. Your journey is something that needed to be heard. And I'm so honored that it was heard here on my podcast. And I, before I ask you the last question, where can we find Dawn? Well, I'm on all social media, thanks to my children. Um, are you there? Yeah. I'm on all social media, thanks to my children. Um, Instagram, it's just DL Jensen, um, 71. And then my uh, Facebook page is Dawn Jensen. Um, and then you can actually find me at Northwest Houses, the number four, sale.com. You can search all inventory and anything real estate related there. Wonderful, Dawn. I commend you for all your hard work and all your success. Last question before I let you go. What is Dawn Jensen's definition of mother hustler? I see a mother hustler as somebody who is just doing the best she can to raise amazing human beings, all while killing it with a great career. You know, um, hopefully that is her passion um, and just making stuff happen while blessing other people. Awesome. Thank you so much, sister. I am honored that you came on and we made time for this. I appreciate your hustle. I appreciate your motherhood. I appreciate you as a human being. Well, thank you for having me. I really, really feel honored that you asked. All right, sisters, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the Being Mother Hustler podcast every single episode, every single week. I know most of you take screenshots of these episodes and share it all over your social media outlet. And for some of you that's left us a five-star review, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so super grateful for you. Make sure you follow us on Spotify and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And it would mean the world to the entire Mother Hustler Nation community if you wrote us a five-star review. Because I'm telling you, this is not about me. This is not about you. It's about all of us in the community inspiring each other, learning from each other, and not allowing each other to make any excuses to chase our dreams. I swear I read those reviews and it fuels me to my core, makes me cry for great reasons, so I so look forward to reading those reviews. As always, sisters, don't forget to give, serve, live, and love. Have a mother hustling day.